0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. You're listening to one of our classes, one of our Bible classes, and what we're doing in the series is we're going back over the previous sermon from the previous week. So that's what you're going to hear today, over anointing. So I hope it helps you. We'll see you soon. Good morning again to all of you. As we uh, again discuss the uh, sermon from last week, uh, hopefully again that as we've uh, moved through this, I know it's uh, it's been more of a teaching type uh, series, but hopefully you've you've been able to put some things together and learn more about the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, as we get into um, here in the next few weeks, get into the New Testament and what all the Spirit has done there, we will um, uh, certainly talk about that and all the things that uh, we talk about, gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, all the things in the New Testament as well. And I know that the Old Testament isn't as familiar to us. And when I went to college, that was actually mo- the most fascinating part to me because I hadn't gotten a lot of Old Testament. We were New Testament Christians, so um, we uh, we focused on the New Testament. Leslie, I'm not going I'm. I feel like everybody. It's like the room is weighted here. Yeah. So if I look over this way, I, the only person I can look at is Leslie. She's gonna feel the heat today. Um. So I'll. I'll just. There you go fit in with the crowd there you go now if I look that way the sound guys are going to think I'm, I'm complaining about something <laughs> uh, so last week we talked about uh, anointing of the spirit we talked about uh, talked about kings and the way that, that God anointed kings and we were uh, we're just going to ask some questions about that and of course, you're always free, I, need to, I don't know if I need to remind you or not, you're always free to ask a question that I haven't asked up here. Uh, these are just questions that kind of get us talking. Uh, but if something ever sticks out to you and you're like, hey, I want to ask a question about that, please do. I always want to make sure that that's available to you. All right, so question number one, the kings were supposed to be good leaders for Israel. So was Saul a good leader? In your opinion. At first. first, yeah. It started off good, right? You may ever feel like, I feel like this is me in a lot of things sometimes. Like I'm a good starter, but sometimes keeping it going is the problem. Like even, like, you're talking about a lot of things, like working out or like a, a diet. I'm thinking about my own self here. But I can be so strict and so in line financially uh, in any of these things. I can be hardcore. But sometimes that that bump in the road, that rock, that that change in schedule or something throws me off. Anybody else like that or that I'm alone in this? You can just leave me alone in it. Uh, But I I could see that. But yeah, Saul starts off strong, right? What is it that gets Saul... Kind of, I guess, off the, uh, the wrong way. Any ideas? Women. Women. <laughs> uh, that is Terry Prothrow uh, this morning, y'all. Um, feel free to visit him at his home later. <laughs> we'll give that address. They might show up at your old house. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it, a lot of times what we see with the kings... And we haven't touched on, on Solomon, but the wisest of the kings, right? Wisest of the kings, again, anointed by God to lead the people. And what throws them off? Well, I need allegiances with this country and this country. What does that mean? I need to marry her daughter, do- their daughter, right? I need to have all of these influences, which is what God is trying to tell you. They will influence you. Guess what? The people closest to you influence you, do they not? Um, I, I think... As I've seen in church, I've heard people say before, uh, if you want church folks a lot of times to, to reconsider something, to reconsider a position that maybe they've held forever, uh, what needs to happen is their kids need to go through something. Their kids need to, if their kids have an idea about something, they experience something, well then, because I'm the parent of this kid, I love this kid, Right, I can't write them off as crazy or anything like that. Like I need to, then I have to do the deep study and see what is it. What is it I believe here? Right, um, and so uh, the people closest to you do influence you. But yeah, Saul began as a, a good leader, but uh, but he kind of strayed from that. Now, uh, remember, one of the things that they wanted in a king was we want a king to go out before us. Right, and you have Saul, this tall man who. I'm sure a lot of people looked at him and thought, yeah, this is the guy right here. I'm standing behind that guy, right? And then what you get with uh, the really the first time we're introduced to David, one of the first times, uh, in the Goliath incident, what was the issue there? Who would not go out? Saul. And was okay with sending this this little boy. Now well, that's an issue, isn't it? Uh, and so, yeah, that's, uh, uh, we need to be able to, uh, to rightly see this in Scripture. So the kings were also supposed to know the law. Why is this important for a king? I know this is kind of a simple question. Well, they are supposed to know the law of God, supposed to write it, have it written down, come from a Levitical priest, supposed to read it. Why is this important? Too simple to even answer, right? Make decisions, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to make right decisions, I kind of need to know what God wants in this, right? Um, Now, let's draw the parallel. Let's draw the line right to us. Why is it important for us to know what God wants? I may have asked that question later. If I did, y'all just ignore me. To make decisions, same thing, right? To live life, to uh, to do the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, how do you do the will of God? Anybody got a good answer for that? I, I, I've shared some with you guys about my the questions my boys ask. And uh, they'll, they'll make you think. Yeah, I know a lot of y'all have raised kids before, and those kids' questions will make you think, Dad. How do we know what God wants? You ever had that one? How do we know what God wants of us? How would you answer that? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Why is why is what's in the Bible important? Yeah, it's the very word of God. Uh, And that's the difference between us and you've probably heard someone uh, in church before called a liberal, right? Now, those terms usually are not helpful because only I call Mickey a liberal, but all that means is he may be very conservative, but he's more liberal than me. That doesn't really mean anything on the scale. But a uh, religious liberal uh, does not necessarily take the Scripture's as the Word of God in that way. And so uh, a lot of times, like I said, those terms don't help us, but that's what liberal theologians, you know, oftentimes it's just, uh, Scriptures are what they are, uh, not really the Word of God. And so to understand or to hold Scripture up as the Word of God, uh, that's why this would be important to a king, right, and important to us to know this is what God wants us to know about himself, about what he wants from us, about all those things, right? Okay. Kings were also supposed to practice justice and protect the vulnerable. Why do you think God would require this? Well, I think y'all y'all were needing a sermon this morning instead of question and answer. <laughs> Okay. Well, why would he want us to do this? Fantastic answer. That's that's exactly right. That that we understand, and and really the sermon today is is on uh, that exact line, but uh, that we are coming along in the mission of God, right? That that what God is trying to do, we are trying to come alongside. And what God is is doing, and we'll see over and over in scripture, talks about, you know, providing justice, to be righteous, right? To protect those who are weak and vulnerable, right? Uh, and, And so Kings were supposed to do that because, uh, kings specifically, because they had the power to do so, right? Uh, and, and we will see and, and as we're talking about anointing, the Spirit of God is put on them again for a uh, for a purpose um, and, and part of this was the purpose. Now, as people who sit in this room today, those of you who have been baptized have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell you And Terms of the mission of God and things like this. We have also been anointed, right? Been anointed, we've been given the Spirit of God to do God's will. And we talked last week, probably the last couple of weeks, about how that doesn't mean we're perfect, does it? Just because we're given the Spirit of God, just because kings were anointed with the Spirit of God, just like we talked about Saul, we talked about David as well, doesn't mean we're morally perfect. What it does mean is that we're not alone, and that if we will, we can depend on that spirit that God has given us. Uh, When you ask the question, how did Jesus do what he did uh, as he walked around in ministry, the miracles and things like that, the answer is always through the spirit of God. Jesus wasn't just given some kind of special ability where he walked around as Superman and everybody else was Clark Kent type of thing. Uh, but Jesus, in a way nobody else had, depended on the Spirit of God. And he will even say that. If you see these things done, you know, in, in the Spirit of God, that means the, the kingdom uh, of heaven is at hand. And so uh, that, that's what we see there. So we are supposed to do these, these same things to practice justice, protect the vulnerable. Um, and so uh, we've, we've got to think seriously about this. Uh, Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Again, do the right thing. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Now, why was this an issue that uh, the writer here would need to say this? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And why, why would you... Why would someone take advantage of the poor or the needy? Better themselves. Yeah. I can prop up myself in some way, right? Absolutely. We're, we're selfish people at times, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so what? Sometimes we go ahead. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this model yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody want to share examples of that? Valentine says it happens today, right? Any way that we see that maybe the, the, the powerless? Let me just ask you this. Do you think, uh, let's ask you this way. Do you think the powerful in this country have a whole lot of power? Where do you stand on that, on that graph? You got the same power? Yeah, <laughs> right. So there are people who have a lot of power, who can control a lot of things and do different things, Right? And the higher, you up, the higher you are up on that, the more power you can exercise over people, right? And that doesn't mean that us sitting in this room don't have power over others or that we can't you know, treat people in the wrong way, right? Because we can, there are people that we might, if we were actually drawing it out, which we won't do, we might say they have a lot less power uh, than we do, right? Because they don't have the money. Uh, uh, they, they don't have the the capital or ways to do things. Uh, I've told you guys before that I'm a big, I love true crime. And some of the times, the only reason people are able, uh, innocent people are able to stay out of prison is because they had the money to hire the right lawyer. And they were innocent, okay? This is not talking about a, a, you know, somebody who's not innocent and we're just punishing them. Uh, because we're, we're in a very litigious country. We like to sue, um, but the only reason people, that, that person could stay out of prison is because they had the money, and so people who don't have the same funds often are not represented in the same way, right, if we're just talking about that specifically. Uh, if you don't have uh, the majority of people who think like you or look like you or whatever, you have less power, right? you're not in the majority. And so uh, God says this is very important. Again, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, uh, for the rights of all who are destitute. When you hear the word destitute, what do you think of? What's What's the definition of that? Without resources. Without resources? Yeah. Speak up and judge fairly. Speak up and judge fairly. So there is a, you know, to, there's some kind of judgment here, not in a, uh, you know, you're condemned to hell type of way, but to kind of discern and and understand, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So we're supposed to use what power we have to help those who don't have the same power, right? And that's difficult, I think, at times, because what we just talked about, we're kind of selfish, aren't we? I'd really like to focus on what I need. <laughs> I'd really like to focus on, you know, what I want. It all depends what position you have at work. Sure. Sometimes you take advantage of Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm just a truck driver or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I told my boss. I'm yeah. just a truck driver. I'm, I'm just a lowly truck driver. You can use that to your advantage too, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else on this? Not everybody at once. All right, kings were not supposed to see themselves as better than anyone else. And we read scripture about that. I don't have that reference up there. But what biblical principle is this? Being humble. Being humble? That's part of it, you bet. I mean, anointed by God, given all this power. How do you not see yourself as more powerful or more special or better? I shouldn't abuse the power. Yeah. And having power means you can, right? You can abuse that power. But if I see other people as the same as me, as I don't lift myself above them, then I don't feel like I, I can or I need to, right? that we're all on the same plane. Um, Scott, I would not have made a good military man because I have all, I don't know why I have always been, we all need to treat everyone the same. And so when the colonel walks in the room, <laughs> you know, I, I would be of the opinion, hey, we're all the same here, and I don't think he would share that opinion. Socialism. And socialism, okay. Was that what the king was asked to do here, socialism? No answer? Yeah, okay. Yeah, to be be in a position. Was Jesus, if anyone, I think we could all agree, Jesus was in a position to see himself as better than everyone else, right? For uh, under, you know... Morally, at least, under any condition we could come up with, right? Not financially, right? Not in a, not in a way that he sat on a physical throne. He wasn't uh, the king in that way. But Jesus did what as he came to earth and ministered? Ruled over them? How did he show his, his power? How did he show his lordship? Sir, Sir. Sir. yeah. Uh, Wednesday night, <laughs> I wish Scott was here this morning. Scott Griffin, he said uh, he was. I think the time had gotten away from him or something. He said, "Man, I almost come over here barefooted." He said, "But then I thought, you know what? If I come over there barefooted, John's going to have us washing feet. I'm not going to do that." But that's what that's what Jesus did, right? Like he lowered himself, lowered himself to be a servant. And as we talked about leadership several months ago, now. Uh, that's what we talked about. Every part of leadership in Scripture is talked about as being a servant. We serve. And so part of this, part of uh, being a, a king, would have been, again, to, uh, to serve. So, what was the purpose of the Spirit in the anointing of the King? What was the reason God poured out His Spirit on these people? All right, I've already said it this morning. What's the reason? Just because he wanted to? Because he thought it'd be funny? Serve his purpose. Serve his purpose, yeah. And to empower them to serve his purpose, right? And so everything that God did here was for a purpose. And one thing we kind of wrestled with last week was uh, even King Cyrus, who was an Israelite, no. But God calls him his anointed, that he put his spirit on him to do what? Do you remember what King Cyrus did? Yeah, freed the Israelites. If you were in captivity, I think you'd remember that. Because he was the one who, who gives out this edict to let everybody go back home over 50 years after they had been taken into captivity. And so I'm just going to ask the question, are we okay with God anointing Cyrus, a non-Israelite, someone who wasn't following his way? You good with that? (laughs) Who am I to say? I I think I wrote this just as a a kind of a, uh, a humility check. Because I I think sometimes we get answers in our head and we couldn't, nobody could convince us otherwise. God, you can work like this or you cannot work like this, right? Um, And and so, you'll talk about things that are important to us like baptism, uh, the the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For us, we see Acts 2.38, right? Repent, be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we want that to be true for every single time it happens. And then Cornelius comes along, and then he receives the Holy Spirit before baptism. Now, I think it was for a purpose, and God needed to do that to show Peter, hey, we're accepting Gentiles here too. This is a part of this whole plan. Uh, but sometimes I think, the, I think God throws these things in here to remind us that he is God and we are not that if I want to use uh, Cyrus in this way, uh, I'm going to do it. And so he uses him. He uses him and says, whoever's right hand, I've taken control of. So I am empowering him. I am causing this to happen, that for my mission to go on, I would need my people back in their land. And so Cyrus is going to allow those people to go home. And so God uses him in that way. And so how is it that anointed kings could still walk away from God? That pesky free will. Let's talk about that for a minute. How many of you like free will? <laughs> right? <laughs> you want to speak into that any you? <laughs> Just leave it there. <laughs> I like my free will. don't necessarily like yours. You should act the way I think you should act, right? You should do things the way I think you should do things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You may be the only one in here that's done that, uh, uh-huh. I imagine. Yeah, nobody else has made mistakes before. But yeah, even our even our own actions. We look back and you think, what was I thinking? Anybody ever done that? I beat myself up a little bit too much sometimes. Kind of embarrassed of myself sometimes. Like, Oh, no, why did I? Uh-uh. We want free will. I want the ability to choose, especially in America. I mean, it's... You know, we have the right to do all this stuff, right? And so that kind of bleeds back in on Scripture. We have the we should have the right to be able to choose and make those decisions and all these things, right? Sometimes. 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 That's right. <laughs> I mean, now, having, having free will, like going into the restaurant and looking at a menu with so many different choices, we can just get whatever we want. Uh-huh. Not having it like the military, you just get served and eat what, eat what you're served. Sure. Do you like the choice? you like somebody to make the choice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes there's so many things on the menu, I just wish they just Just give things. me something. Surprise me, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I get that too. Um, I think with free will, and that's, that's the answer here, is they have free will, and they can... God never, even though he pours out his spirit on us, on them, anoints them as king, they still have the ability to make their own choices, Right? They can also depend on God and make the choice that way, but they have the free will to go another way. And uh, I think often what we really struggle with free will is when something bigger in life happens, something uh, especially negative. We, we kind of go back to God, why didn't you keep X, Y, Z from happening? Or happening the way that it did. I'd rather this happen or whatever. But in that moment, we take out free will of somebody, right? Either of me or somebody else's choice, or the way that it happened, we, we immediately think, God, why didn't you step in to stop this? Anybody thought about that before? God, why didn't you keep this from happening? Yeah. And so that's a, I guess it'll always be a constant struggle with us. And I like my free will at times. I, I agree with that. Uh, sometimes that structure's nice, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I get more done. Um, But, yeah, like it. All right, so uh, Psalm 51, 10, and 11. Create in me a pure heart. You've probably sang it, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This psalm is is said to be a psalm of David right after Nathan has confronted him about what he has done with Bathsheba. Isn't it interesting that, that what David asks in the moment is not for, God, don't take my power, the power you've given me as king. Don't take my riches. But he asks here, and he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Why was David so concerned about the removal of the Holy Spirit from him? That's what gave him his wisdom to be able to guide and be the king. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. That was his concern right there. Is I want to, I don't want to lose this relationship, right? Yeah. So let's let's shine the light back on ourselves. Be our slogan, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're missing anything? Because it seems in in this quest for redemption, as David is on here, that he feels that importance. How much, and we started this series, and we asked how many of you even had much teaching on the Holy Spirit, and not a lot of people had. Now, some had, but in their church life hadn't even really been taught much about the Holy Spirit. My, my church life was like, we'd get to a part, and we didn't really understand it, so we'd kind of, we'll go to the next verse next week, not really, you know, big down. But David is concerned, right? Please do not cast me from your presence. I want to stay close to you. Don't take your Holy Spirit. You've anointed me with the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Please don't take that away. Do we feel that same connection to the Spirit? Is it something we think about? I would argue for a lot of us, we've been been taught in a way or conditioned in a way that we, we might not even think about it much. But David certainly did. Leslie mentioned uh, a man after God's own heart. I wanted to put this slide back up again after, uh, from last week just to kind of explain this from uh, the way Dr. Wright does in his book. He says the heart in the Hebrew idiom is where you do your thinking, weighing up, deciding, and planning. Okay? Uh, and I, as I mentioned in the sermon, we still do the same thing, right? I'm going to tell you this from the heart right? Is that what we say? Okay, we still kind of, we still can talk in that way, okay? So it is where you do your thinking, weighing up, deciding, and planning. So a man after God's heart means one who will think and do as God chooses, one who will carry out the plans that God has in mind. Again, we can write write into that, not perfectly, but the reason God could say this about David is that David, when confronted with sin, as we've just read, has this desire to make things right. And that's the difference. And and again, that was, um, uh, I think my next question is, you know, this context here is God saying, he's comparing David and Saul. David is the man after my own heart because Saul started off good and just kept going off in left field, right? Right? David did a lot of things that were wrong. But when confronted with those, he had this desire for repentance. He had this desire for this relationship to be returned, right? So that's how uh, we kind of uh, understand that. And I just answered my own question. Maybe I should have not done that. All right, how does God plan to empower the coming Messiah? Shouldn't have praised you for speaking the last couple of weeks. My bad. I, I won't do that again. I think I've already answered this one this morning too, right? How was it that Jesus was empowered to do the things he did? Holy Spirit, right? Jesus' baptism, what happens? He comes up out of the water. Y'all tell me what happens. Huh? Yeah. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove. I don't know if that means he looked like a dove or just kind of floated down like a dove, you know, type of thing. But the Holy Spirit is, is put upon him, and because of that, he's able to go and withstand the temptation that Satan puts on him immediately, right? Takes him out into the, uh, to the desert, uh, waits until he's been 40 days without food, and uh, I think as we mentioned last week, I'd, I'd do a lot of things after 40 days without food, right? It was really 40 days, 40 days, food? You know how the Bible uses numbers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like the perfect number, a lot of days. Yeah, 40 days. Uh, we want it literally. Tell me how many days, hours, minutes, seconds, right? Uh, I'm sure it was plenty long enough. For me, a day. <laughs> that would have been long enough. I'd have been upset. How about y'all? People question that. Okay. I have some friends that were there Really 40 days? Yeah. You cannot live no more than a week without. Yeah. I said, Well, God says one day is like one year, and one year is like one day, so. Yeah. It was long enough for him to be hungry, though. Then that, that's, that's what you need to know. Um, it's like Jesus was going to be in the tomb for three days, right? How long was he in the tomb? He was put in what day? Friday. Friday, Friday? Friday evening, had to get him in. I had to hurry up and get him in there before the festivity started. Right. So Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning, they go to the grave. Gone. Well, that's not seventy-two hours or whatever. Okay, so parts of three days. So a lot of. A lot, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. So that's where we're having to, to take things in context mm-hmm. you know, instead of just verse for verse. Well, this, this is what it really means. Is yeah. As, as, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it says both. And so you're you're exactly right. That is that that is the downside of if if we do verse by verse a lot of times that we can forget to look at it in the way it's given to us. but you know, a lot of the numbers, a lot of things like that, especially seven, seven's perfect, complete. Was it exactly seven days? I don't know. They use numbers differently than we did. So um, it's a a tough thing there. And, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, some people see fasting, at least today. Uh, I was dating a girl in college that uh, part of her family fasted. And I think one of her uncles or somebody, all they would eat is like a banana every maybe a banana a day or something. I mean, it was very little, but they would consider that fasting. And so, I don't know, it wasn't there. But I imagine, as reading that in context, as Scott's saying, the the point of it is it was plenty long enough for him to be hungry. <laughs> and for that to mean something, like you need to change these stones into bread, and that would be a temptation, right? It's called a temptation. Now, it's not a temptation if, uh, if you just ate a steak dinner. You know, that, that meal you had and you're too full to even look at food anymore. I mean, just 20 minutes before, you could, have, you could have eaten the tablecloth off the table, but you just ate that big meal and now you don't want to even see food, smell food, anything like that. And that, people, is when you need to go to H-E-B and do your grocery shopping. Let me just tell you that right now. Not the other way around. All right, why was it necessary to move from kings to a messiah? So remember, originally, depend on God. We're going to have these judges to help this. Well, we want kings. God says, okay, you can have a king, but here's what's going to happen. So why was it necessary to move from kings for God to send a messiah? Okay. Kings helped them fulfill the purpose, though, right? So I think to, to kind of fill out that, uh, that answer is to, to fulfill it or to live it out more perfectly, right? Because nobody was able to live in the way that, that Jesus lived. Nobody was able to do it in a way that Jesus did. And so for God to look down and say, what we need is the Messiah to do this right and to show you how to live in the right way. And um we were to that perfect, perfect oh. mm Yeah, I'm going to, through you, I'm going to bless all nations, right? Uh, and as Donald said, you know, kings had strayed so far, and so many kings were, they did so much evil in the sight of God, right? I mean, when Josiah discovers the law, it's like they were sweeping up, cleaning up the place, having a spring cleaning, and they came across, what's this document? What is this? Oh, well, maybe we ought to pay attention to this. Yes. <laughs> We've strayed so far from it, we we weren't even looking for it. We just found it, right? And and so, yeah, they had certainly strayed, and and we needed uh, that Messiah. So I'll leave you with this last question. Well, we already answered this. Why is it important for us to know that uh, what God finds important is how do you live out his will if you don't know? How do you live out his will if you don't know what God finds important? Okay? So what is God trying to do right here at this time? Anybody want to jump on that or is that something you want you on? Do you mean like we're living in a time of grace right now where we're supposed to be sharing his message with everyone? Yeah. That we share the message of God? to love him. He wants us to share him with others, and by doing that, we need to love everybody, even if we don't agree with them, even if we don't like the way they're living their lives. Judging them and being ugly to them is not going to bring them to God. It's not going to potentially change the course of their action. They're just going to see hate, so simply love everybody. Yeah. And sometimes it's leading by example. Sure. And we we can see that in the life of Jesus, right? That's the way he lived uh, to the point where people questioned him because he was hanging out with the wrong people. They had done things wrong. Uh, And Jesus said, well, it's not the the healthy who need me, right? It's the sick. And so he he loved and cared for them. That didn't mean he didn't tell them uh, when they were wrong, right? Uh, The woman caught in adultery. Everybody's wanting to to get rid of her, right? And he tells her all the things of her life, right? How many men she'd had and one she lived with was not, uh, that was a woman at the, uh, the well, but the um, one caught in adultery where people are you know, ready to stone her. And he said, Well, go ahead and cast the first stone, you without sin. And slowly walk away, right? And so, um, yeah, part of this is to love. To live out the important things of God, right here, right. We live in a way that that we show people we're trying to show people, and again, uh, not we understand we're not perfect. But when we do sin or we do uh, do something that is wrong, we also use that as a time to show, okay, this is the way to do it the right way. I mentioned, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. You know, often what I saw or what I've seen in churches is, especially if someone like a a Bible teacher, deacon, elder, minister, you know, you ever catch them in sin, the first reaction is they need to go or they need to step down. I think the minister needs to go, elder, deacon needs to step down, Bible teacher needs to quit teaching class. Is that about right? About covering it? When the biblical example is that you show You know, this is how you live, that you also, in leading like this, show how to, like David did, come back, what repentance and redemption looks like. And um, I I think that's a part of all this, too, is to show people how to live, understanding we're not going to do it perfectly. But because Jesus did, we're all right, right? He's got us. All right, I've got 9:45 on the dot. You're welcome, Scott. Got you. Thanks for being here.